This is something really interesting. Is brand monogamy a myth? What, in fact, is it all about? Tim Elliman with me was the brand and communication strategist uh, for Hatch, uh, at Hat Strategy. In fact, Tim, good chatting to you. Hi. Hi. Good morning. What are, what are you telling me? What, what, what do I need to take out from this? <laughs> Um, look, I think uh, essentially what I'm arguing is the fact that consumers are not exclusively loyal to any particular brand mm. in most categories. Generally, they are loyal to a repertoire of brands in any particular category. I think um, marketers like to create this uh, this myth of the fact that people are incredibly loyal to their particular brand in any particular category and generally would only buy one brand in a category as opposed to buying across a repertoire of brands in a category. So I'm not saying that people are not loyal to brands in categories. I'm saying that people are not exclusively loyal to brand or any one particular brand in a category. Rather, they are exclusive to a repertoire, a small repertoire of brands in a particular okay. category. So, so we've been talking about advertising earlier and you know, creative advertising. And clearly, from an advertising point, you hope that, that your campaigns will create a sense of you know, desire and then brand loyalty. So buying a simple thing like a phone, you say, well, okay, I want to buy an Apple phone as opposed to a Samsung phone or a BlackBerry, for example. That's the type of loyalty you're talking about. But are you saying that in, in, in certain categories, this notion that we're absolutely loyal is not true? I'm saying that in most categories, the fact that we're absolutely loyal is not true. You get repertoire categories and subscription categories. Uh, most categories are repertoire categories. And yes, people are loyal to brands, but they are not loyal exclusively to one brand. They have a, probably three or four, depending on the category, brands that they are very loyal to. Uh, but they tend to switch between those brands in terms mm -hmm. of their, uh, their purchasing. Give me an example. Repertoire versus subscription. What does that mean? Uh, well, so a repertoire market could be a typical FMCG market, you know, chocolate bars. Uh, I probably, when I go and buy a chocolate bar, don't necessarily look at every single option out there in the shelf. I probably, you know, off the top of my head, subliminally, I would look at a text bar, you know, a, a Nosh and a Smarties, and I'd choose between those. Probably not so it doesn't matter, for example, somebody else has got a special two for the price of one, we're giving a giveaway, it, it actually makes no difference to you. Uh, generally, that's what you want. Generally, right? it doesn't. Um, I was uh, chatting to a professor who studies this in, 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 in depth, but... Uh, in terms of those promotions, yes, you could possibly get somebody to buy your particular brand at that time, but generally they will revert back to the existing repertoire that they're happy with over time. Unless you're going to be, have consistent communication over time, generally people will revert to their repertoire. So that's, that would be a, a typical repertoire market. Mm -hmm. A subscription market would be something like, let's say, banking or... Uh, perhaps a, a cell phone contract where people tend to be more locked into a particular uh, user. What generally happens, though, is that uh, most of the time, a lot of uh, subscription markets actually become repertoire markets over time. So if you take, as an example, the, uh, the telecommunications industry or the mm, cell phone mm. market, uh, you know, it started off uh, very much a subscription market where you bought only a contract and you were locked into a particular Because you don't want your number supply. to change and all Absolutely. that. Yes. And then what has happened over time, obviously, is the, you know, you've got prepaid market where people have, uh, I guess you could, could call it uh, promiscuous usage across different um, uh, SIM cards uh, using multiple uh, providers at the same time. You've had uh, number portability in the contract market where mm. people now have way more propensity to be able to choose a different band to what they're currently choosing. So over time, what you generally find is that a lot of subscription markets or where there are high barriers to exit actually become repertoire markets over time. So, so in fact, in, 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 in a case like that, you'll find people are, are, in simple language, willing to jump to other brands when they find something that's more convenient at that time. Correct, correct. And I think just the fact that uh, you know, marketers like to think that people are, you know, fanatically loyal about their brand, and that the whole point of 
uh, of marketing is to make people incredibly loyal to your particular brand, which obviously it is. It's about mm-hmm. you know make mm-hmm. pe- making people excited uh, and loyal to your brand. But to think that uh, people aren't buying other brands as well as yours in a particular category is perhaps where the, the problem lies. And, and, and the percentage, do you have numbers around that? I, I don't have numbers. I mean, a lot of this research comes from uh, the Ehrenberg Bass uh, Institute of Marketing, mm-hmm. the largest institute of marketing uh, around the world. Uh, they're based in, uh, in Australia. But essentially, their, uh, their partners and their subscribers are the big multinational uh, corporates uh, around the world. Um, and uh, a lot of their stuff is proprietary, is proprietary knowledge. But certainly, what they would talk about is the fact that the vast majority of markets are repertoire markets. Uh, yes, obviously, you get markets that are subscription markets, but generally, those become repertoire markets over time. Okay, so I, I'm trying to make sense of this. So if we're saying the vast majority are repertoire markets, and I'm quite honestly thinking about my favorite biscuit, which is Maori biscuit. It just tells you, it doesn't matter what you tell me, that's my default line. So so how, how does that, you know, what does that do then for, for marketers? Because what, what, what I'm telling marketers by my choice of Maori biscuits, it doesn't matter what sort of sell they, 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 they have on TV and radio, my default is actually going to go back to Mali, because which, which actually means that if there are more and more people like me, there's lots of money being wasted, isn't it? Um, I think that as a marketer, perhaps the, the, the difference is, as opposed to if you believe that people will buy one brand exclusively in a particular category and that your job is to switch people mm. from a competing brand into your brand or convert people from that brand into my brand, um, you're going to have a particular marketing approach. Mm, However, mm. if you believe in the repertoire theory, the fact that people will be buying other brands as well as yours, perhaps your approach to marketing differs. So if you have a conversion mindset or a switching mindset, um, you know, you believe that if I do an advertising campaign or have a campaign, uh, I can convert people from brand B into my brand A, and then the job is done. However, if you understand that people are still going to be continuing to buy other brands as well as yours, uh, your approach would be different as opposed to switching people. It's more about continuously nudging people uh, into thinking of your brand more often versus competitors mm. so that they are mm. buying your brand more often than competitor brands uh, over a peri- period of time. Uh, so it's just that understanding that people will continue to buy multiple brands in any particular category um, in most categories out there. Um, and the job that marketers have is to make sure that their brand is more salient in people's minds, mm-hmm. to make sure that they are buying more of your brand than other people's Okay, brands. so is it being multiple that the new city want them to continue to A, buy your brand, or if they're not buying a brand, to try as much as you can to enter that one of those multiple choices that, that, that a person typically correct, has. Correct. Now, now, the flip side, where they are, are sold in one brand, for example, the person saying, I only drive BMWs, I don't care, I'm a BMW, and I hear that, I'm a BMW yeah. man, in fact, I'm an, I'm an Orlando Pirates fan for life, sure. I only love the sharks. You know, what does that tell me? So I think the the research, and once again, I mean, if you look at uh, the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, um, they do research across the globe, across multiple markets, multiple categories, multiple different consumer bases, um, and they would... uh, uh, Mm, 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 Well, okay, I'll come back to that in a second. Let me just tell you as well, if you have any uh, thoughts on this issue about, about brand monogamy, the sentence is an interesting one. When you when you sold on a certain product or a certain brand name, do you find yourself in a position where you only think about that brand name, or in fact, no, you, you're not that monogamous to borrow a very uh, a relationship uh, phrase here. In fact, you 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 want to dabble in in other brands, so you may have a preferred choice. And if I went back to the Mari biscuits, yes, you'd go for that. But there's maybe some other biscuits that you may want to try out. For example, or do you find that in certain categories, and we've just 
discussed motor cars and, uh, and, and, and sports teams, for example, um, and the issue about mobile phones. And in fact, once you get hooked onto it, there's a good chance for five or seven or eight or ten years, you actually don't move away from them at all. Thoughts you have, 89 You can SMS me to 34701. And uh, if you are tweeting, it's uh, at Ashraf Garda. In fact, Charles uh, from Lady Bro- Ladysmith saying, I dump a brand if it does not deliver the current benchmark established. How, inter- how important is that? You see, the person will dump a brand at a certain benchmark, not good enough, dumped, gone. Uh, so he's linking brand to service, not to, not to his loyalty to the brand. C- correct. And I think, once again, if you look at the research, most of the time people will churn or switch from a particular brand uh, due to dissatisfaction. I mean, it sounds like a very obvious thing to say, but uh, most of the time uh, your typical loyalty schemes or those kind of interventions actually don't necessarily have too much of an effect in terms of people sticking with a brand. What, what, what encourages people to stay with a brand is their satisfaction level. And generally, people are habitually loyal to their particular repertoires of brands. They don't really think much mm-hmm. about it. Uh, we don't have the time for this. So generally, you, you're habitually loyal to a particular uh, repertoire of brands in a category. And until you are dissatisfied uh, with the delivery, with the service mm-hmm. of that particular uh, intervention, you won't shift. So, you know, if you look at, as an example, um, you know, a, a company like, or an advertising campaign like F&B, I think mm-hmm. they've been quite smart mm-hmm. uh, in terms of understanding this. Um, and I think if you look at the strategy of their entire switching or acquisition uh, campaign, uh, it was very much focused on essentially prompting a bit of dissatisfaction in, uh, in, in, in bankers Indeed. out, in, you know, banking mm-hmm. customers mm-hmm. out there mm-hmm. where, you know, you're talking about the fact that, you know, does your bank do all this? You know, are you really satisfied? Are you getting everything that you need? And look at these great innovations that F&B has, you know, shouldn't you be switching to us? And hey, we're going to make it really easy for you to switch. Uh, you know, we'll do it under 10 minutes, et cetera, et cetera. You know, I, I, I'm not sure of the validity of all the claims, but certainly they understand the strategy of how to nudge people in okay. the direction. So of what's the interesting, they, they've articulated that strategy, you know, in, in, a, in a campaign. But if what you're saying is true, that, that ultimately service is the factor that determines whether people stay with a brand or, in fact, do not stay with a brand. So to borrow again a stupid example, Cadbury chocolate, I have a certain expectation that when I, when I bite, I expect the taste to taste like whatever. And if it doesn't taste like whatever, then I'm not going to have it if it happens three, four times in a row. But if that's the case, then surely that then companies need to pay more attention to, to service and less attention to marketing. I think it's a combination. I think it's about making sure that obviously the product or service delivery of what you're offering uh, is up to par and is what consumers are expecting. Uh, but by the same token, you need to ensure that the brand is salient in people's minds. So uh, it's about making sure that your product is uh, available both in a physical uh, sense and up to par in terms of what consumers are expecting, but also uh, available in terms of uh, what is in people's minds. So availability in the mind is, I guess, where the role of marketing and mm, advertising mm, comes mm, in. Mm. Um, so I think it is a combination uh, of both. And I think you, you're entirely correct. I think, um, you know, if I think of chocolate bars, you know, I think over time, uh, you know, marketers will make, uh, you know, do a lot of value engineering and, um, you know, take out a little bit here, take out a little bit there. Um, they'll do the research and uh, uh, they'll, they'll tell themselves that consumers haven't noticed the difference. But unfortunately, over 10 years of doing that, consumers go, hang on, you know, this seems, uh, <laughs> seems to have a lot fewer nuts than it used to have. It seems rather different. By the way, if you want to check a picture out of Tim Elliman, check it out on, on Twitter. I'll retweet that right away so you'll check it out. Some comments from Ivo Vector, of course, who, who's a writer saying, I know companies are legal persons, but brand marriages perverse, which I think is rather interesting. And there's a couple more that I'll, I'll look at in, in a minute or two, right? So, 
we're going to wrap up now. But is, is there anything that we haven't touched on that you think is really important here? Um, no, sorry, just to touch on one of your previous points, which perhaps I didn't uh, 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 make too much of a point mm-hmm. about, is the fact that, once again, if you look at the research, you know, you're talking about consumers who are, you know, loyal Mari mm-hmm. Biscuit fans mm-hmm. or BMW fans. Once again, if you look at the stats in the research, that is in the vast, vast minority. Uh, so most people are, in fact, light buyers in any particular category. Most people are not exclusively loyal to any particular brand. The people who are are in the vast minority. Um, and if so any open to being swayed. Open to being uh, open to be swayed, uh, absolutely, and and open to be swayed um, into the repertoire, making sure that your brand is part of the repertoire, as opposed to assuming that you can make sure that they're loyal only and exclusively to your brand. I think is the big point. Okay, so so as as a result of that, and maybe in the in the next next minute or so, we've got. Do you find therefore examples of, of how marketers have changed their their own marketing philosophies and strategies based upon that? Um, I I don't think so. Um, mm. I think that there is uh, it's happening more on a global level. I think there's a lot of new marketing understanding, a lot of new marketing science through, uh, for example, you know the Ehrenberg Bass Institute, but mm. the other mm. there's a there's greater understanding in terms of uh, neuroscience, how the mind works, uh, behavioral economics, a whole bunch of different or, or greater understanding of how consumers actually go about making decisions. I think it's starting to take traction on a global level. It's starting at a very low level um, in South Africa. There are a few people who, who have uh, the understanding, but at a general level, I think people are still stuck in, uh, uh, I guess you could say, believing that the, uh, the earth is flat. Okay. Well, there you are. Fascinating one. I tell you what, we'll talk more about maybe brands and, and, and the social uh, engagement around it to a degree with Rich Simmons when he comes in and talks about his book Mug and Tweet later on. I had a fascinating story about uh, with, with someone who wanted to give someone a, a Man United chop and then was worried that in fact um, they know the other members of the family all support Liverpool for example and the compromise was like okay let's buy them a Chelsea top so it'll make everybody very happy. Whether that can apply to how you market brands is something maybe you can think about indeed. We'll talk about uh, Power, the Power Women's Day campaign. Uh, We'll talk about that right after this.